0: Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor.
1: What's your outlet? Folks, happy holidays. Happy Monday. It's time for another episode. Train wreck tonight, 227. I'm your host, General. We got maniac Kevin Masari in the building. What's our show sponsored by? Picasso's Pizza and Outlet Liquor. And what are we talking about? Yesterday's heartbreaking loss to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're also going to be talking some Buffalo Sabres. We're going to be talking some UB St. John Fisher. And what Kevin Masari did with that on game day, like I said, folks, big show. Buckle up. Let's go. You don't You don't You do <laughs>
2: Follow me into the great unknown, where pink flamingos grow. Diet soda flows, and what you take magically regenerates on supermarket shelves. Good team, me and you, we do You can scratch my back And I scratch my back to it is welcome at the party, yeah
1: my people, more and more
2: Double your trouble back here. Left you with Al and you come back to me, Maniac, on this Monday, joined by our guy, our insider over at the Crowd Assist Podcast, Kevin Misery. Kevin, how are we doing today, sir?
0: Living the dream, guys. You know, just just another day in paradise to to kind of break down a Bills game. Um, you know, a lot of good UB talk over the weekend too. So, you know, it doesn't all go go lost, Maniac, but uh, just just couldn't be any more excited to, to be on here and to, to really kind of get my first takes on the game too, isn't It's not like these are old takes. These aren't regurgitated takes. These are, these are fresh, ready to go opinions.
2: And this is the thing. I think that you tend to transcend Bill's fans a little bit, and I'm not here to, you know, fillet you up and down, but I think that you can let your fanhood get the best of you and enjoy the craziness that honestly is having Joshua Patrick Allen as your quarterback, but you can also take an objective look at things and be pretty hypercritical in spots where, Typically that would be reserved for high level analysts. So with that said, do you make more of the terrible first half yesterday versus the Bucks? Or do you make more of the second half where they seem to get things clicking and it seemed to feel more like 2020?
0: You know what's funny about that is if you would have asked me at about 6 30 p.m. yesterday, I just I it was gonna be just terrible. It was gonna be a rip into them. It was gonna be not great. Now what they showed me for the first time really, man, really since at points in 2020, um, you know, I can't even say they they rolled their 2020 schedule too. Um, they really dominated it. And that Rams game was kind of one where they let up the lead and came back in one, kind of in similar fashion, but on the other side um, at home. So really, they they showed me something that they really haven't shown me a ton of. Like, can they come back in games? Now, in a one-possession game, Josh Allen has shown to be really good in those. Um, has he this year? No, they're 0-5 in one-score games. Um, so there's some issues to talk about there, but, um, I'm on the positive end because of how well they played. And I am firmly on the belief that I can't, I can't sit here throughout the day and look at five defensive pass interference, holding calls on the bill's defense and zero, um, on Tampa Bay's defense. It doesn't sit right for me, um, because those are game changing plays on a, on a unit that calls the second most, um, pass interference, holding calls in the NFL. Um, they determined after 57 snapbacks by DBs on Tampa Bay that not one of them held, not one at one point of the game, held or pass interfered with any at any point at any situation to throw a flag. For me, that's an issue. Like, I wasn't sure how much I was gonna talk about it. I was calling it out in the first half when they were getting rolled. So it was like, it's kind of arbitrary. How much does it really matter in this? Like, are they really gonna win anyways? Um, so it definitely affected that score to get to where they were at after the first half. And then it just became worse and worse and worse. And then you get into the, the last drive of the game, which should have been first and goal on the one. Um, and instead they, you know, McDermott kicked something he didn't do in Nashville. Um, really similar, similar situations outside of it being a little bit further of a fourth down. Um, but the difference was there that the bills had a little bit more time than they did in Nashville. Um, to be able to use the clock so had the bills converted in nashville um can they have could they have scored still i don't know i don't know they would have spiked the ball they would have a little bit of time so i don't know what would have happened there but he learned his lesson in terms of saying you know what everybody kind of some people were on me for that i'm gonna kick here um but it should have been first and goal from the one um that was the worst one of them all and then you called a soft one on levi wallace and no one's harder on levi wallace than me perfect coverage He turned his head. He got slammed to the ground there. Should have been OPI. Should have been 10 yards on Tampa. Um, Not only was it not 10 yards on Tampa, it was a big 15-yard penalty, roughly, on Levi Wall. So, guys, that leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. And then you just see the warrior performance from your MVP, from the guy that's going to finish second, probably, in MVP voting and Josh Allen again. Um, Just continues to have MVP-like years, but just has one player just a tiny bit better. Last year was Rodgers. This year, it looks like it's going to be Brady. But he out them, in my opinion. They did not lose because of Josh Allen. Josh Allen was fantastic all game long. And in spite of bad roughing, in spite of Tampa Bay playing solid at times, and in spite of McDermott's lackluster calls, Josh Allen almost came out of there with a W, and quite frankly, should have had first and goal from the one.
1: Yeah, I mean, and guys, when it comes to it, you hate to blame a game on the refs. And one thing I got to mention with this is it's different in my opinion, now because of social media and replay and every different angle you can see. I mean, I'll be honest. At first, like when I first saw that Savon Diggs one, it kind of looked like they were just both at, on each other. Like th- when it first happened, I'm like... I, live, I- live,
2: it definitely looked like they were getting tangled up. And if you were the ref, in my perspective, this is what was my live take. You could have interpreted that as him kind of pulling the DB in and then trying to go for it. And yeah, I think it's a situation where historically refs have swallowed their whistle like 20 times out of 19, but it's just so weird to me. And I know I'm a freakish mind, so I just think about this. I think about the fact that the San Francisco Giants had the best MLB season of any team and they had their season ended on an interpreted half swing strike call that was wrong. But we get a swallowed whistle here where when you look at it from virtually every other angle, the only angle that it didn't look like P.I. from was basically the TV angle because you were kind of behind digs. You couldn't yeah, see exactly. what was happening with the jersey pole. But, I mean, when you saw all the other angles, it was just so egregious and so ridiculous. Honestly. Honestly and, ridiculous. And, guys,
1: I'm not going to lie, though, too. Even the Levi Wallace one. When you see it live the first time, you think Levi's like this and doesn't turn around. Like That, that was my first thing. I'm like, okay, they're going to call it. But then you see the replay, and then you see everything else, and you see Evans reel him in. Then you're like, "Holy crap!" But I'm not saying that. Like, I'm sorry. I love your point where the, the amount of snaps and the no calls for the Bills and the refs, like that's it's clearly a red flag. Which it which it is. Every call went the Bucks' way. But in live time, I thought honestly it was pass interference on Wallace. I did. I said to my dad. I said to GM Spokane, like, Dad, I, he, he he didn't turn around. Just had his hands up on his body.
0: To me, I'm fine with you calling it on Wallace. A, I don't think he's good, and B, like I don't, I don't mind you making that call if that's what you want and you want to prefer to call that against the DB um, on an underthrown ball that he wasn't catching. Um, fine, but you gotta call it the other way. Exactly. Um, they negated some big holdings on the Tampa bad holding plays. So not only do t- I, I've seen this in Bucksland too, where they thought that that should have been roughing the passer for getting a player getting thrown into Brady, which on a holding call. Um, that negated on us just the world's softest holding. Um, and some of the, they didn't show some of those. That's how bad they were. Bad calls that they were. Some of those negations that they had in the game were worse than some of the other calls. Um, to need to, to save the box yards and to give them extra plays. It wasn't a very good job for me. They had a precedent set that they were going to throw flags, guys, and they did against the Bills. Not gonna co- complain too much about the Wallace one. I have just such a big issue that you called it all season. You called it historically as, as a unit, as an officiating unit per your statistics. And then you decided to not call the digs one, which was as clear as any of them. Unfortunately Um, you can't, you can you you can you can call that and call the Wallace when I'm fine with it, but you, you absolutely have to call Diggs there there down the red zone. And the miss one on Sanders was actually really bad. And and Diggs got tugged earlier in the game. That's what led to the score the way it was, and the Bills yeah. having to punt at times. It was a bad performance. Was, so bad that you saw even national media talking about it, maniac, and you saw Nelly tweeting about it. I'm sorry. It was the a fact bad, that Nelly, bad.
2: like I saw that and I just thought it was a random Nelly that was like going viral over yeah. a bell's take, and I'm like, this is ac- like I was a alar- I guess I would say it is an odd situation. And then, then we have the next topic here: Do Bills fans not know how to act? We're in rec room. People were going nuts. <laughs> that twenty-four point comeback. People were literally losing their brains. And I was really enjoying it. With that said, typically the next day after a Bills heartbreaking loss, it's, it's the media praising the other team for perseverance or you know not breaking down the sign of you know a, or a comeback, a fierce Bills team. But today, for the most part. It, the media has been almost 1,000% on the Bills' side from what I've seen. I mean, I don't think we're in, like, a funnel here with, um, you know, some of the national teams. I mean, every old referee that I can name them. I'm surprised Ed Hockley hasn't chimed in and said that, you know, that should have been a pass interference call. Every media source. I mean, then you have Nelly to top it all up. It was getting hot in here for NFL officiating today. Safe to yeah. say. But, again, it, it, it's, it's a moot point because it doesn't do us any good. Bills fans have evolved past caring about losing a game because of the reps. That was like a 2013, a 2014 thing maybe they would have done in the core of the draft. Now we know all that matters is winning. And Kev, you were talking about winning. And talk to people about the tweet this morning and your thoughts behind when you were sending it out. Because again, you, I, I think I say that you tend to be like a little bit, you know, analytically critical. But this is a pretty optimistic tweet for Bills Mafia.
0: Yeah, and I mean... For me, it's a matter of just looking at it like from a straight-up standpoint of numbers, right? And I try to do this with UB. I try to do it with – that's why I use Ken Palm. I don't always agree with something like Ken Palm has to say. But in terms of the bills, if you look at it from just a completely analytical standpoint, A, they showed way more than anyone ever thought they would show yesterday in terms of – I'm not here for moral victories. I don't want a moral victory, nor – I'm normally critical. I have never really given a moral victory. However, to show that you can come back against the league's best down 21 – you are in any NFL football game with Josh Allen, period. That's what he showed yesterday. He's showed to be in that category of elite. So that's why um, they're in a good spot, and that's why the national media was like, all right, no one wants to really play the Bills, whether they have to go to Kansas City, whether they have to go to New England, whether they have to go um, somewhere a little bit easier to play, maybe. Um, no one wants to face the Bills, period. No one wants to play them as a wildcard team. It's very similar to the Bucs were last year. There's so many crazy statistical comparisons between the two teams at this stage. Um, but really, two games, guys, two games gets the Bills of 98% playoff odds. And that's mainly because, um, A, the FC has to play each other a bunch. Believe it or not, the Bills have a, now they have, the Bills have a fairly, easy strength of schedule. If the Bills can beat the Patriots in two weeks, not only is the playoffs at 98% odds beating Carolina and New England, two games, not 40, two games, not only are are the odds at 98%, but the AFC East is at 63%. And everyone's saying, well, doesn't New England need to lose? How are they to have better odds in New England? Um, Because quite frankly, odds makers are saying that New England loses one of the three games and if, if wait, the wait, Bills beat New England, in,
2: does this factor in a Colts loss for it? Does not. If, so if you're a Colts, saying that if the Colts if the Colts beat New England, correct. then the Bills correct. are likely looking at seventy percent plus for AFC East odds on the uh, line. I think it's it's, it's ninety
0: if they lose back to back. If New England loses to Indiana, Al, are
2: you hearing this? That's absurd.
0: I know. Yeah, I know. And I'm, hey, I'm a it
2: guy. It feels like gotta, all is lost, but you just need to go win two football games. Yeah, they're going to have to have Mac Jones do something when they play in Foxborough. I'm sorry.
1: hundred percent. I'm already looking at the weather forecast.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I look good back to back weeks that it's going to look good. And you saw everyone trying to dog me in the first half this week. They're like, do you want a dome now? It doesn't matter, does it? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll just, we'll wait a little bit and see if that, if that take holds through. And it showed that if good weather, Josh Allen is in any football game. And he came storming back to the tune of 400-plus yards, guys. Um, Good weather. I need Mac Jones to do something in two weeks. (laughs) The Bills could bury the Patriots in just such an embarrassing way. And after I've had so many burner, like Damian Harris' season and Matt Judon' season in my mentions for, like, about two weeks now, um, no better way to bury them than the Bills to win back-to-back. And the, the Patriots have immense pressure on them. And odds makers guys would say that the Patriots are gonna lose one of those other games on the stretch. The Bills versus Patriots games matter for even even if the Bills don't catch the division. Um, the Bills are in most scenarios where they beat the Patriots, almost all of them, outside of a losing three. So even winning Wait, two out of four. I guess okay. The Bills so, are in most. so the
2: way it'll break down is if the, the Pats lose lose the uh Colts game. They'll be nine and five. The Bills are seven and five currently. Bills beat the Panthers again. We're not looking through past a week, but they'd be eight and five with a matchup looming in Foxborough, where if the Bills won, they would be nine and five, and the Patriots would be nine and six.
0: No, no. How, the, that, the, how
2: did I do that? Bills no, will be the, nine. 5 The Bills and are five. seven and
0: six right now. So oh, okay,
2: yes, okay. I'm sorry. Bills so will be nine and six, Patriots will be nine and six, but then the tiebreakers would be in the Bills' favor all of them Jets, be in the them With favor, Jets and yeah. Falcons, the looming matchups, yeah. which are obviously minus set or you know, touchdown favorites for Bull
1: Yep, and New England to end the year after Buffalo is home to Jacksonville and at Miami.
2: Okay, and we know at Miami is it doesn't matter who they got playing quarterback, is not a historically easy matchup for them. And Miami will likely have playoffs on the line given where they're at right now. True. Yep. You you look at the Bills Miami matchups. The, the difference in both their seasons right now is basically the two games they played each other.
0: Yeah. If they split them, they'd be they'd be the. I mean, look. Yeah. They, so they, I mean, hey, be a little listen, bit different.
2: Divisional matchups are always tough. So credit to them. Speaking of tough, we got the news about Allen's foot today. Obviously, in the walking boot last night. Um, Kev, turf toe, which it's been like you know, which it's being kind of referred to as for the most part from what I've seen. I mean, this is no joke. This is something that it rarely does heal in season, I guess, for the most part. And if it, and if you can, you kind of want to take advantage of the window. So, with them saying that Allen is day to day, what would you put the odds at right now that we're getting Mitchy Biscuits on Sunday?
0: Based on the people I've talked to and the injury people within Bills land, the banged up Bills, the thigh expert, I think at Buffalo Fanatics. I mean, I'm putting it at about like eighty to ninety percent that he plays. Um, I don't think. I think in 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 a perfect world, guys, he wouldn't be playing this game. He wouldn't be in a world where you took care of New England or you took care of Jacksonville. The Jacksonville game is just let's just call uh, the Jags at this point. I mean, it's a game that everyone goes to. Believe it or not, McDermott has struggled at times. He has never lost a game to a team like the Jaguars in his career coaching the Bills. Um, since I mean, putting aside the twenty eighteen year. Really, where it still didn't happen that often. Generally, McDermott does really well against bad teams. Okay, it, it was an anomaly. I the Bills kind of sleepwalk and they're like, yeah, we'll win on the last drive. And the last drive came and they're like, whoops, that's kind of what happened in that game. Um, fast forward to right now, Josh Allen would sit. I mean, for sure. However, McDermott was pretty coy up there and basically saying, like, without saying it, he was basically like, yeah, we don't have we don't have the ability to sit Josh you know? Allen, like. Unfortunately, we would probably still take Josh at seventy-five percent against Carolina, then Mitch at hundred. As you get down to Josh being like 50-50, that's when you know you might you might go to Mitchell. But if Josh says he's seventy five, eighty percent, he's gonna play. Um, I mean he just the threat of him being there is enough to supersede Mitchell Trubisky. So Guys, I would I have him playing. I think he plays day-to-day. It was great terminology for McDermott instead of the week-to-week label. I was going to
2: say, like this. Yep. it kind of reminded me of 2019 when he had the concussion against New England. Comes out the next day, and he's day-to-day. And everybody at that point was taking a week off when they got anything concussion-wise. And I'm like, day-to-day? How can that be? Ipso facto, he's playing that weekend against Tennessee. Um, so yeah, I was very, uh, like, I'm glad to hear that you have optimism in that terminology because that made me pretty happy. I just
0: don't think they can sit them, period. Like, I mean, they would, I think they would, they, they, they are conservative historically. Um, but 10 I think point the,
2: favorites though. You don't think they, they can possibly start Mitch no. Trubisky in this
1: spot can I, can I Yeah. No. You know why? I don't think so either because look at the first half against Tampa. Well, the, the <laughs> first half's all over the board
2: have been terrible. And I want to talk to you about this, Kevin, because we're going to get to Dave Bowen and McDermott in a second, but since the bye week. They have they have scored ten points or less in the first court first half six out of seven times.
0: They've they've. I mean that's just horrific. Right that's now. just
2: horrific. Like last year they were frigging storming out of the gate. Rams Seahawks they were literally pouring twenty eight points up on the first half something like that. And it made it so that it had a lot of you know weaknesses on the defense. This year they have a defense that's stronger than ever. It seems I know there's holes in it with the ra- with the running game especially sometimes especially yeah. starting off in that first quarter yesterday. But what the hell is going on? Why is it not more of the second-half offense we saw yesterday where you're getting Gabe Davis involved, you're getting Beasley involved, and then he can just every so often go to digs because the ball is moving. What, what, what is up with this stale first-half offense? Bottom line, six out of seven weeks since the bye, 10 points or less.
0: I mean, it's adjustments. So you got to give them credit for making some adjust- adjustments in the fourth quarter and in the second half of football games. They are making changes, something we haven't seen under many regimes here in Buffalo, um, really, where someone, I mean, I remember those teams, like you were mentioning in 2014, 2015 earlier. Some of those teams just literally couldn't play in the third quarter because they got out coached so bad. Um, And right now you're getting some really good scheme and and adjustments. Teams are playing their best against the Bills. You aren't getting the worst of Jaguars. You got the best of the Jaguars. You aren't getting the worst of many teams. You know, albeit everyone likes to say they've played backup quarterbacks. That's like the go-to for people. Like, and Heineke's been fine. He's been good in the league right now. He's been playing average quarterback ball right now. Mike White was the next coming, like, at, at one point. Like, he was the guy. Like, and then he got buried quickly. Simeon had beat the Bucks coming in. Um, so, you know, I don't want to necessarily hear that these these were just garbage backup quarterbacks. Outside of, like, Davis Mills, the rest of them have been sufficient players. They knocked two out. Two was on a run now. Bills buried him, too. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to necessarily hear. And then they confuse Mahomes uh, pretty much all day. You know, Carson Wentz couldn't do anything in the weather elements. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger did nothing. So, I mean, the Bills did get it done against some of the better quarterbacks in the league that they've had to play. So, and they played really well yesterday in the second half that was an amazing performance by the defense for not having Trey White the game planning that needed to go involved with Mike uh, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with no Trey White I don't even want to know how long McDermott
2: had to stay up to come up with some of those schemes and cover two spits they had how many times has someone in their career completed a 21 point halftime comeback against Tom Brady
0: once the bills
2: yeah it's never happened right once but like like i'm saying it had to be the first time yesterday that was crazy when i like you know it happened well tw- then- it was
0: the Fitz game so it was the twice it was the second okay time so, okay ever. so it is, it is okay
2: interesting wow 101,
0: 101 so and one he was like 101 and one
2: so obviously kev, we still so- go, so go, go ahead now
1: kev how did you feel yesterday at halftime like we know I how was- you know say bonaventure it's over yeah like, you'd be saying t- i mean how'd you feel at halftime yesterday honestly
0: I mean, not good. So I yeah. mean to me, the way that they came out in the second half changed my opinion from being very hypercritical. I mean, my I mean, just check my Twitter feed. I mean, just go back at and in points at times at 6 o'clock yesterday. Not good. I mean, oh. I was all over Edmonds for being over pursued again. Um, I was, you know, pretty hypercritical of most Dable basically needing to get walked out. I'd said leave Dable in Tampa. I mean, he was that bad. Um, Well, hold on. We
2: got to pause you there, then, because this next topic coming up, who has more to lose, McDermott or Dable? We'll talk about it on the other side of this message from our co-sponsor, Picasso's. Pick up Picasso's tonight.
0: Order online at Picasso'sPizza.net.
2: the brakes on kevin there because i knew <laughs> that this is a nuclear taking coming, so i want to make sure but who has more to lose kevin i mean you're talking about leaving dable in tampa bay this is a guy who last year when you were talking about this time oh my gosh this guy has his pick of the litter he can go to <laughs> he can go to la and work with herbert keenan allen and mike Williams, which sounds amazing on paper in that weather um but yeah like Right now, Dable, to me, feels like he's literally on the verge probably of losing these head coach candidacies, if he hasn't already. Maybe I've already missed it because of, you know, other coordinators that are having great years, but when people are going to look at this, I mean, yeah, Allen's great, and it seems to be like a league consensus that people are realizing that, and instead of the 2019 and 2020 hype where he was getting it for making Josh Allen work, people realize now maybe Dable might be holding him back at times. I mean, you tell me.
0: I think right here on Trainwreck tonight, I think it's easy to, for me to say right now. Summing it all up, did Dable make Josh Allen, or did Josh Allen make Brian Dable? Oh, it was no. easy for people to 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 look at it like Josh Allen sucked. You had to defend your draft take, and people did this basically until last year. I mean, really up until <laughs> the end, the end of last year, yeah. people had to to back into their draft take, right? So how did they do that? That gave Brian Dable praise, basically, is what happened. So Brian Dable's like, yeah, baby, let me, let me, let me inherit all this praise. Um, but what we just learned out in 2021, Josh Allen didn't regress. The offensive coordinator regressed. He's having trouble calling plays, he's having trouble in the red zone, he's having trouble with personnel, he's having trouble putting the right offensive line on the field, he's having trouble with his weapons, he's having trouble at the running back position. He's struggling, he's struggling as an offensive coordinator. He can be creative when you have a freaking quarterback that can run for a hundred yards and throw for three hundred. One of five players to ever do it. I mean, Crazy. me and maniac could go on the sideline and, and try to figure something out. Um, Al and
2: I have have been on a college sideline, and I think in an if you just gave me an hour, I don't know if I could still throw for three hundred yards or even run the the one hundred yards. It was absurd.
0: Yeah. I mean so look to me I'm going to read you off some statistics like I said earlier I like to be statistical so that I can back up opinions or I can back up, my, back, back up my my opinions but slice these stats up baby Here's Brian Dable previous to Josh Allen you want to you want to hear this yards 32nd 29th 22nd 34th 30th 24th that's Brian Dable offensively so if you look at it in what happened in 2020 2nd and 8th this year that's Josh Patrick Allen. That is not Brian Dable, period. So you're going to tell me that he just didn't field good offenses prior to Josh Allen, but he was a really good offensive coach. I don't buy it. Something he's been good at, though, is running the football. Fifth in yards, sixth sixth in yards, ninth in yards, eighth in yards. And then you get a quarterback in play and all of a sudden you can't run the ball anymore. 20th last year and 15th this year, mostly all Josh Allen's yards. Brian Dable has struggled as a coach. Unfortunately, to your question, um, about who has more to lose, it's Brian Dable because, quite frankly, he got passed over for the Chargers job for a reason. And then you look at it as as McDermott isn't going anywhere. He signed an extension. You know, unfortunately, if he was to blame anyone, it's going to be the fall guys in Bobby Johnson and in in Brian
2: Dable. That's I can't believe off. that oh, that the OG Bobby Johnson is probably logistically the closest guy to getting fired right now in the Bills, and that makes me sad. I'm just thinking about all the hype videos from 2018 and 2019 of him working with the group and going nuts. And it's, it's upsetting, Kev.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, it's just not getting it. The offense is just not getting it done. And if the bills don't make the playoffs, right? I don't believe Brian Dables back in in Buffalo. They need a fall guy. They're not going to fire Brandon Bean. They're not going to get rid of their Brian Cashman. They're not going to fire Sean McDermott. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Like even like, I root for the team in the Yankees who just have an absolute figurehead as a a coach, uh, as a manager. They're not making any moves in in rosters that have been worse than the Bills and have been blown worse than the Bills. The Bills are going to follow suit. They're not going to make any big changes. They're going to basically sit back and blame their hitting coach, and they're going to blame Brian Dable for it. So I don't think that he's back. They need a fall guy. They can't just keep everything the same. And they're going to have to get rid of positional coaches. Brian Dable has a lot to lose to make the playoffs. If he doesn't make the playoffs, I don't anticipate Brian Dable being back in the bill in the bills um, sideline performance. I just really don't. Um, you I know, can't believe it's possible, how quickly it's changed. It
1: has Our, changed before very the, quickly. I changed everything. I know before the season started, we're like, oh my God, thank God he's back another year with Josh. This is going to be amazing. We're going to the Super Bowl, and now it's like we want him to get another. Like people literally want him to go find a coaching job this year at the end of the season. Or there is there is
2: so much extreme. Like yeah, he'll get he'll get a
1: shitty coaching job for sure.
2: But yeah, like the idea like that he was going to leave and work with the Chargers is like legitimately intimidating. You're like, oh my god, like Herbert's good, Allen's good, Mike Williams is good, and they can make something happen, but. It looks like they're already making it happen. They're coming on strong, obviously, in the second half of the year. Uh, Kev, one real quick question here before we just have you break down and predict the uh, Panthers match real quick. Manny Sands going to be week to week. Obviously, you, know, there's a, you want him for the Patriots game. And, again, I don't mean to sound like not every game counts because the Bills have lost a game this year where they were 15-point favorites. So I'm not sleeping on any game ever again. But with that said – Are you worried about, you know, getting him back for like a potential playoff run or are we feeling confident based on what we saw with Gabe Davis getting some more burn yesterday and actually making a pretty good impact these last two games?
0: It's hard to say that I really care, guys. I'm going to say it. I don't think that he's played well. I don't think he's played well. I think his age is showing. I think he's been lazy in his routes and his breaks. I think the offense has moved better with Gabe Davis. They've used Gabe Davis down in the red zone. Gabriel Davis has been a nice spark plug. He fought with heart at the end of the game on a play he yep. needed to make for his quarterback. That was kind
2: of amazing. I'm not going to lie. Nine times out of ten. You, you, I have not seen that play mentioned once on Twitter today, but nine times out of ten, a Buffalo Bill comes up short on that play. I hate to say it. In Historically. Fact, it, like, it actually occurred like in my mind when I was watching it. It was like, this is going to be the comeback because we never make that play.
0: That's the play that uh, that Manny Sanders has stopped a half no a yard short. No chance is he making that. That McKenzie tripped up there, that you know things that we have seen historically, dig slips, something like that historically. Gabe Davis did what he needed to do, showed heart, came back and got the football. He didn't sit there. I'm still not happy with the performance by Dawson Knox yesterday in terms of not fighting for the interception. He was open. He stood up. He stood on the sideline because he didn't think Josh would throw that ball. All of a sudden, the Richard Sherman's like, "Okay, I'll take that ball if you're not going to come back to it." Gabe Davis did the exact opposite. He went back to the football, he needed to secure the catch first, even though he gave up um, the first down. He had to in that situation, and that was well, uh, he...
2: great situational awareness. He could have came in with the breakout for sure. It's well, literally wasn't that in close. The breakout.
0: He could have waited for the ball. Um, he could have not realized where he was on the field. And then he realized, you know what? He probably would have gotten it because he, he kept his footing. However, he still fought for a a bunch of extra yards. Um, and it was a huge moment in the game. And quite frankly, he's your receiver of the future in terms of being a receiver too. I need to see him keep developing. I just, to me, get him his snaps. It's kind of like what we talk about in UV football all the time. Like play him. He's your guy. He needs the minutes. Get him the stats. He has good rapport with Josh, and it's hard to deny how good the offense moved. With. It could be totally random, but you can't deny how well he's played down the stretch here, both in New England and against um, um, the Bucs. So to me, I'm not overly upset by it. As long as you have Steph Diggs, as long as you still have Dawson Knox, as long as you still have Cole Beasley, um, he is a great option in those situations. And I think he's shown to me more to be than Emmanuel Sanders. And now it's a reason to give him 80% of the snaps.
2: Okay, before we get to great savers talk and UB, which everyone is looking forward to, uh, Kev, give us your rapid predictions, both with Josh Allen as a starter and with Mitch Trubisky as a starter for this Sunday against Carolina.
0: I think the Bills have a lot to play for and they have a lot to prove and they want to prove that they can even be seven and six and still be a scary five or six seed at the minimum in this in this tournament. I still think the Bills will show you that they're the dominant team Carolina's switching quarterbacks. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a running back. I don't know if DJ Moore is going to go. He got banged up and then hit with an injury tent late in that game. I just don't see them doing enough. I'm traveling up to the North. I just think it's 31 to 10 with Josh Allen playing tomorrow uh, on Sunday. And then with Mitchell Trubisky, you're not going to get some of those wild plays. I still think that there might be some issues there. However, I don't anticipate it being crazy different. I would still say, but a little bit closer. I'm still predicting more of like a, uh, 23 to 16 game with Mitchell Trubisky in the game. And that's due to needing to punt a little bit more Carolina getting a little bit more opportunity, but I think they cover if they, if that's, that spread won't stay there. But um, I think that they'll cover with Mitchell Trubisky playing. Um, But I still think the bills will do enough. I just don't know with the loss of the Jag as, as Al mentioned, I don't know that they have the opportunity to, to, to not play Josh Allen.
1: Uh, to me, maniac and Cobb, it's, I know under Sean McDermott, we try to limit the, quote-unquote, letdown spot. But, I mean, you're going off a, a an incredible tough loss to New England. And then another heartbreaker. It, how, do you, like, how do you get up for this, this game? This is,
2: this is going to be the classic third game in 13 days for you the You know Bulls. what I'm
1: saying? Like, how do you get up for this game? The Carolina Panthers, with who at quarterback? With who at this position? If it's Trubisky, I I'm not gonna say they cover the spread. I don't know what the spread's gonna be. Currently, it's ten and a half. You got to think Allen's probably the worse. spread has
2: me feeling good. I, I, and you know what? To be honest, I'm gonna admit it, and I, and I rarely do admit that I'm I'm completely wrong. I've put a little too much faith in Vegas and where they're reflecting the Bills so far. Yeah, this you year. have. I, yes, I, I'll you admit have. it, and, and and I'm gonna admit it before it's too late. So I'm I am no longer gonna react. Although you have to admit, when it was like. Week six, and they were three and a half to one to win the Super Bowl. Like, that was pretty crazy. Like, you know, just think like, that. But I'm not going to let it happen anymore. I'm going to let it just take, I'm, I'm taking it play by play, 111th by 111.
1: So, Maniac, how many points do you think Allen's worth?
2: I think that Allen, the thing is, is, you know, if you start Trubisky, you're going to get a super conservative game plan where they're going to try and pound the rock and play field position and exert that defense's dominance against whether it's Cam Newton or PJ Walker uh, out of that backfield. I will say that, you know, I think Urban Meyer's joke, so this isn't really working my favor because we have his loss of the Jags. I think Matt Rule as an NFL coach is a complete joke. I don't mean to like judge a guy only in his second year. A lot of people were judging McDermott in his second year when it was 2018 and they were getting bamboozled. But I think a seven year, $60 million deal For Matt Rule is insane. But how many points? Uh, I think that's a fair take from Creek DeGeneres. Three to four points. Um, I think you get a more conservative game plan. I think if they play Trubisky, you might get like a 23-10 Bills win where they like foil them in the red zone to end the game or something like that. I think if you get Allen, you might get a little wilder. You might get like a 35-17 win. So I think I guess either way, I got them covering the spread. I I don't mean to sound crazy, but Let's face it, McDermott and Co. is scuffling right now. They're looking for a big prove-it spot. They've lost two games. It's hard to have a letdown spot when you've already lost two games. That's the only thing working in their favor. If they had gotten a big win last night or something, I might be worried about the letdown spot after, you know, the emotional high of it all. But they have a chip on their shoulder, and they're going to be going nuts.
0: Okay. That's my take. That's my take. I don't don't know how you watch last night and think
2: that that Josh Allen
0: isn't more six-plus points. He is the reason. I, I think know. he is,
2: but, but Vegas is a stubborn mofo, Kev. Like they just then they're like, wrong. They, they just don't histor- they don't historically move it that many points based on a player. They really just don't. They don't. They don't. Like I when mean, like what like, like Kev it's, literally but it's when, when Denver didn't have a quarterback last year, like they just went from having a quarterback to not having a quarterback, it only moved at like three or four points. Like it went from like they were like plus two to like plus six or plus seven, like I, I might be off on that. It might've been like a touchdown movement, but literally from a quarterback to no quarterback, like they just weren't going to have one. I think you know, from I, Josh like,
0: Allen to Mitchell Trubisky needs to be six points. That's oh, nice. I,
2: don't get me wrong. I agree, but it's, I it's agree. like, yeah, I, what you're saying makes total sense to me a thousand percent of the time. Like Josh, Allen I think is you worth- take a
0: touchdown off the board. Without Josh Allen playing the game, and I—that's me thinking in Vegas terms. I don't know how much he could mean to the Tav, team.
1: Tav, in I, I, I 100% get what you're saying, but this is like an NBA regular season game when the Spurs are sitting Ginobili, Parker, and Duncan. They're minus three at yes. the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, and then it's like minus two. Like know it goes like
2: Hawks minus one and a half, like barely, or something. <laughs> yeah, like, no, Kev, like, Kev, like, Kev, it just doesn't happen. And what you're saying logically makes total sense. It, but for some reason, when teams put in like complete backups, or like when the Warriors do that thing where they like, like Al alluded to, where they just start nobody, the line moves like five to seven. How about, how about in this, the NBA At most,
0: they lost. Um, Arizona lost to without Kyler Murray to this Carolina team. So. Something to think about.
2: But but Cam was back. Cam was back. Cam, I guess.
1: <laughs>
0: I guess. Whatever that we've seen him lead recently, I guess. So, but it's scary. I don't care what Vegas does. I'm talking to it like in terms of like us. I think it's six points minimum. And I think realistically, it's a pick'em game with Mitchell Trubisky. I hate to oh
2: say Oh my it. god. A pick'em? I'm horrified. Thank God. Oh hey, whoa, wait, 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 I'm letting wait, I'm letting
1: Vegas. Wait, I'm letting Vegas cloud my wait, mind after Wait, the you just said, I thought, we still cover with Trubisky.
0: No, I said we don't cover with Trubisky. Oh,
1: you don't they'll know. They'll no, lose?
0: No, I don't think they'll lose. I'm oh not going to predict them to lose with Trubisky. Oh, my gosh.
1: Oh
2: my I said gosh. they're not going to cover. By the play. way, somehow I just realized that this is 1,000% the first revenge spot for Ed Oliver on Cam Newton since the training camp incident in 2018. Fat Cam. Or no, 2019. Oh, yeah, no, it is cam against the Patriots. Fuck, yep. okay. yep. right. nice. I forgot about yeah, we that. Okay. All right, I forgot about on the Patriots. But that's a big underlying storyline. We got to look at that. Speaking of underlying storylines, Sabres really don't have much to talk about, unfortunately. They're like 4-15 and 15 in their last 19 or whatever. Um, they got screwed out of a goal that would have tied it on Friday night. They lost it um, in a shootout. Shootout the Capitals. On, on, on to Capitals. Blew a third-period lead. I hate to say it. They're up 2-1. to one. Um, Kev, any thoughts on these birds? I mean, they've been playing a little bit closer lately with UPL.
0: I mean, as a Rochester guy, like, you know, through and through here and getting, getting some good, I got some good Rochester, um, Intel. Well, obviously we got to remember Quinn's now on the, 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 whatever he's on. He's got mono.
2: Yep. quinn has um, got mono. He's got Darnold disease.
0: So that's not fun. Um, that, that team was buzzing down here in Rochester. They are starting to get some fans starting to be the top of the league competing with Utica. That was pretty cool to see. But UPL, like from what I've heard from my guys down here, he's ready. He needs to get the rest of the games, in my opinion. And I think his backup until Craig Anderson's back, I think it's you got to go with Subban. Like, I think you need to send Dell to Mars um, as far away as you can and then send Tokarski down to Rochester. That is my I,
2: I always love when you tweet out and you I think you've done it like ten times this season. You just tweet out Dell is the worst goalie in Sabres franchise history. Oh And, then and, I when, get you, like- and when you watch like some of the highlights like of, of like goalies from the seventies, it's just like how could a modern day goalie ever not be better than like those guys? But yeah.
0: In in modern history, all right. I
2: I, like, I get I get it I get it. But yeah, we're like, not talking. It's, about it's always funny guys who didn't have a
0: mask on. Like... Yes, yeah, so
2: when they were playing with the mask, those dudes were yeah. better than Aaron Dell. Yeah,
0: we're not, we're not talking about that. But I'm UPL, about...
2: what is going on with UPL for like the last two months? I get it. He sucked in Rochester last Dude, year, but every here. time every time I see him in a Sabres uniform, he looks like serviceable. Like, and the Sabres goaltending sucks. It just feels like we're waiting until this dude's like 28 to make a call on whether he's good or not.
0: That's what the goalie people say, right? Even on our own network here. I think they're starting
2: to flip. I think they're starting to flip, though. A lot of the talk this weekend was that he's just played so well, you can't keep him down anymore. Were you guys seeing that?
0: Yeah. I think you have to play him. Look, you have Aaron. Like, I just called him the worst goalie in franchise history. Like, he's your goalie. There's zero reason. You're not going to ruin him. If you're going to ruin a guy like... I don't know. You guys would have to tell me how much that matters in this sport. But like, to me, it's a matter of like, you need to play him. He's going to get valuable minutes. I think he's playing really well right now. He's showing me right now that he's ready to be the Sabres goalie. He needs to be on the roster for the foreseeable future. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what he's done. And you just can't, t- I can't take you seriously with three goalies over 35 and a guy you just traded for as a failed prospect. I I, I just don't, I don't, I don't buy it that you're not going to utilize your own prospect. And then you have two really good guys in college Talk about following the Yankees model. You got the Sabres saying like, we'll play Portillo. We'll play, you know, we'll we'll play Levy when they're ready. You know, and you know, to me, it's like, you have the best two goalies in college hockey. Like let's give UPL a shot because quite frankly, if you break him, you have two guys coming up at some point soon, just like the Yankees do at shortstop. So like, to me, it's a matter of you have UPL ready playing. Yeah. You clearly didn't care any other way. And then you have the college guys. Really, you're two real good pros, two best college goalies right now in, in your pipeline. So quite frankly, yeah. I think you have a good future pair UPL up with a, a good veteran next year. And you might be onto something because quite frankly, Quinn's ready. JJ's ready. You know, I think you'll see, you know, I think you'll see Peyton here really soon. To me, there's a lot of good talent there. I think UPL needs to get the majority of the games in 2021.
1: Yeah. And you know what? You're getting to that classic time of year right now where Sabres plus one and a half is even money for the rest of the season. That's all I'm
2: going to say. Oh, or plus money. But look at this. Or again, plus, yep.
1: since UPL
2: kind of came back on the scene, and they had some pockets early here with Anderson and then a brief uh, drop here. But finally getting, again, this is for the charts, people. It's from our friends at uh, the Charging Buffalo. Um, yeah, below expected goals. are basically saving on the half goal a game to now uh, a full goal a game. I mean, so this isn't just, you know, surviving. This is thriving. So love to see that.
0: Those dips are all Aaron Dell's fault, man. Um,
2: Well, well, you mean the mountains? Yeah, (laughs) I mean the the mountains. Yeah, Dell is a big mountain guy for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, he... he, Let's uh, get into it. It was the talk of Saturday and it wasn't Aaron Dell. It was UB taking on St. John Fisher. I thought that this was just going to be the smallest blip on the radar. And I guess it was uh, if you were a UB starter, you pretty much had your way and came in. But guys, just talk to me about Saturday and talk to me about, you know, what was unleashed
1: I, I mean i'll start it off here it it's good I because mean,
2: kev was the originator so it's good that you're starting it off
1: yeah i mean i don't even think a lot of people knew ub was playing st john fisher on saturday my brother as a jackass sends like the espn ticker of the to the group chat of ub basketball and then it's got st john fisher with no logo next to it so we're just brutal. all laughing about it, like, okay, it's just, you know, tune up game, just like when they play, you know, Madai or whoever comes into town, Damon, you know, that first game of the year. And then early in the game, Kev sends this picture to the group chat. And I'm like, This is a thing hysterical. So I just start when Kevin sent like whenever whenever something hits that chat and when Kevin sent that Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, whatever, I started late, I started sending it everywhere. I'm like, this is hilarious. So all my UB basketball chats, like, guys, you got to see this. And then, Cav, I'll let you take over here because a lot happened within like 90 so minutes of you sending that.
0: We put it, we put it up on the main, you know, in on our main bullet points page. It's basically just like, you know, we at Bullet Points have checked in the game because, quite frankly, the dude was it was a Section Five basketball player. He was he was pretty good here in Rochester, pretty well known to me. At any point, you could run a story on this kid because there has been well known. Um, of his stature, of you know, there's been much debate of his height and weight combo, um, you know, in 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 high school and college setting, um he's a pretty good basketball player by all accounts. Like for he basically St.
2: John Fisher, like he ain't in like in the second half here in a 50 point game. It's a 13 point game, six, seven minutes guarding
0: out. our guarding one of our best prospects and under Weitzel here in Quell Um, So quite frankly, he's matched up right now with a D one prospect, one that, you know, was highly regarded three-star guy, D one player um, and bodies him later on in the game. But um, this story gets crazy because from here, this exact screenshot with Kevin's direct TV logo in the top right section. But, and,
2: and when I sent it back, like saying it was hysterical, while you were clearly like not like a static about the situation, you're like, it's my screenshot. You can see direct TV. And, and I was saying that's like the hilarious part, is like it's such a blatant rip, as you can see here. Like, there's there was the uh, like and, and people commented on this. They literally just cropped it in a little bit from the, from each side, like point two and just tried to like pass it off as a different image.
0: Right. Like, and I mean, you even have like where I pause it, like guys, if you knew this game was going on and he was a hysterical figure, you should have taken a screenshot, maybe even better with all the production that you might have and, and gotten something up and totally different. I actually even had the video ripped where he trips and falls. I had that ripped way early on. And I was like, This is just going to get stolen. So like a matter of the difference is at least... When you tweet a video, you got that tiny little thing on the bottom right that you don't get on a picture when you just kind of copy paste somebody's picture and then put it up like your own. Like I would have preferred a quote retweet here by Barstool Sports, basically giving us some cred because, quite frankly, we're credentialed, right? Here at here at um, at Trainwreck Sports to watch UB Sports Maniac goes. I go pre-COVID. We have plenty of people that that have talked to Nate Oats. We've talked to Coach B. We've talked to Weitzel and, and Coach Felicia Legette- Jack. Real and fine. you know. And quite frankly, um, we have the ability to watch and cover this team. Barstool just took our photo, and everyone's like, "Well, you don't own ESPN." And it's like it doesn't matter. We're watching this for purposes of covering UB. In in it's our time. It's our energy. It's our analysis. You took it, and you, we we tweet we live tweeted this game a D three D for. This was how my little people knew, guys. Most people didn't even know D3 teams could play D1. We had to have a disclaimer tweet on why UB even played St. John Fisher in the first place.
1: That's what I'm saying. Saturday morning, no one knew.
0: No, no right. one had any idea. So so little idea that they didn't even know you could play a D3 school. Yep. Um, so to me, they ripped our tweet. I would have appreciated it. We got some good support from some, some of the uh, the Bills community and stuff. Um, but I just didn't appreciate like us not getting credit for that, Like down hey, to the hey. fact that. Of
1: anything, Kev, Kev, looking back though, you set up Barstool for their content for the day.
0: Their fantastic. biggest tweet for weeks, well, they, got they, more all than, like,
2: u- they all used it too. They were using yep. uh, silicon bake. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. I mean, there's
1: shout no out to way to guy. talk I think, about I think at Portnoy that time. Was,
2: I think Portnoy was in contact with him about an NIL agreement. So, Kev, you basically made that happen in a weird way.
0: Yeah, no, I did and I, I appreciate it and I'm glad the kids got some notoriety because I thought it was hilarious. It's just funny to see him out there with D one talent and and th- drop a dime um on some of our backups.
2: So That was that was a pretty amazing, amazing play, honestly. you know, in the fall really lured everybody into like a <laughs> false sense of security. Like nobody was expecting him to do anything. I feel like what he gotta <laughs> be scam. What's
0: Mading supposed to do when the guy's running down the court, does a full barrel roll? Like, what are you supposed to do? He was like trying to like half help him up at one point. It's like, what are you even supposed to do? And then the guy drops a dime in your eye, like just complete chaos.
2: He looked like Al Goodrich. Sunset. Okay, sunset. All right, fair. Al, uh, wrap up on the weekend. Crazy upset for UFC. Uh, Any gambling updates on your front?
1: Yeah, I mean, UFC was nuts this weekend. A lot of great fights, a lot of early round knockouts, submissions. That was um, weird. Yeah, I, I felt like every fight was moving pretty quick. Um, Obviously, once again, I, I have most of my tickets inside on Poirier in the final fight, so that obviously kind of sucked. Um, but uh, yeah, with uh, Amanda Nunez losing in the co-main event as a minus 900 favorite, you saw someone laid like three hundred nineteen thousand on her to pocket like thirty grand or something. I mean, it's that is a massive, massive offset in UFC. You don't see that that often. Every thought, everyone thought that that fight that fight would be over in thirty seconds. Um, so that's it, really, for UFC and gambling. Once again, a very tough NFL weekend. Um, these weekends have been grinds. Uh, it's, it's you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? Um, and you know, like we talked about, like, like we talked about on Twitter. yeah, like we talked about the Browns. Oh, oh, it, it disgusts me.
2: It, yeah, yeah. But it, real quick, Kevin, just disgusts me to see people go into any media platform with, with bucks three and a half and bragging about that.
0: I, I hit on against the spread. If Arizona does their thing tonight, I hit every game against the spread this week.
1: What?
2: Classic.
0: Every single one. Spread,
1: yep. not winner,
2: yep. not money line.
0: No. Nope. I was worse on the money line.
2: T- is, t- is tally site gonna be dominating for you
0: that should be I did pretty well against the over under I didn't hit money line in every on every game Jeez. um
2: uh, that's uh, crazy every Kudos. single game.
0: Kudos. yep every single game And in my big pick'em pool that I have against the spread 14 for 14
1: all right I mean I okay <laughs> I mean, so, Cap, you so you like Arizona tonight yeah. You do all right. Well, Did I'm you hear right. the COVID
0: news? I mean, there's no Higby. There's no Jalen Ramsey.
1: Well, the line only moved to half a point because of that news.
0: Oh, that's bizarre. Like see, we already see, talked about.
1: If Kev, if Kev was Mister Vegas
2: when he uh, heard Jalen Ramsey's out, three points right off the right off the cuff.
0: I mean, yeah. I'm fine with it being a, a a a okay, a decent tight end. It's like the Bills missing Knox, and uh, I mean, I guess I guess Trey White. I mean, look, we yeah. had game like, look, I, I mean, okay, <laughs> like, sure, up, up in that case, I, I agree. Half a point, a point. I'm not, that's fine with me. Like, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying Josh Allen is the second best player in the NFL to Tom Brady. Like, I, did you watch last night? Like, yeah. I don't know that to me, it's All just right. more than
1: I don't, I don't agree that
0: Jalen Ramsey needs to move more than a half point, though.
1: Like, Real quick, that, that I brought, you just brought up Tom Brady. How, like, right now, seven o'clock on train wreck tonight, 227. How many more seasons does Brady play? One. You're going one after this.
0: Yep. Going okay. one more season. I'm going off a journey tour next year. In Tampa. I'm not
2: gonna I'm not gonna suck Tom Brady's dick, but that throw to Mike Evans last night perfect. Where for the touchdown was probably a throw that I only think like probably three or four quarterbacks the NFL can make. Probably Allen Herbert Rogers are the ones that come to mind.
1: What about his other throw to, to Evans right near the end zone? Oh yeah, the loft. Well, the, I have the floater.
2: Loft. The, the floater. Honestly, deadass. I don't think any human. I don't think any QB in the league can make that throw. That's oh, a I, throw like, I, I, with
0: Mike Evans. That's a throw you can. That is Mike Evans on that one. The first one was a dime. That when one they is...
2: showed that, like it was literally in his face, and he was like looking the other way, like before he even made his break. Like that one's but it's a lot a huge easier to make. It's a, throw. a lot easier to praise Brady now that he's not a divisional opponent. Even when he beats us, like. Like, I'm glad that every other fucking team in the NFL is getting to see what we had to deal with for two games out of a 16-game schedule for 18 seasons or whatever the fuck it was. Because that's that That was, like, one of the first points that Paul Peck made out uh, on Trainwreck tonight was that the Bills have been at a mathematical disadvantage for, like, 15
1: years. And Bro, us watching NFL football since the time we can remember. It's 20 years now. It's two decades. That's what I'm asking you, maniac, right now on the record. How many more seasons?
2: What?
1: He's going to win every i I'm going two
2: more. I'm going two more. I'm going two more after this year. I wanted to do one, truthfully, because I do think Brett Favre thought he was going to play until he was 45, too. But then he got hit like one time and it was absolutely brutal. And that was the beginning of the end. I think Some, he's borderline. I, 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 all hate, to, out there, I hate to say it, but Brady's gotta get hit. Brady, someone has to get the thing is he's so good at reading defenses, nobody ever comes like blindside and nails him.
1: I mean like about, Arthur Motes nailed Brett Favre. How about Brady's over under rushing total every night? It's typically a half a yard. He's killing it. He's loving running the ball for 10 yards now. The yeah, they right? they keep dropping like
2: eight.
0: I was gonna say that's easy to do with three receivers, especially if you get Antonio yeah. Rum. I mean, that's easy to do when we're dropping into man and in deep zones.
1: It's just like Gabe Davis overs right now.
0: Free money and Gabe Brady. Davis overs for sure. Yeah. Like I mean, absolutely free money with Gabe Davis. And I mean Tom Brady to me, I think he's leaving everything out there. I think he, okay. he has he built a roster that is literally to protect his age, like. He's yeah, able yeah. to make those throws and win that game yesterday, essentially because of because how good Mike Evans was in that game. Like, yep. period. Mike Evans was awesome. I mean, yep. there's no one that could cover him. I don't know that Trey White would have done anything. Sorry to say. Um, I agree. And the,
1: there was never a point
2: where it was like, oh, Mike Evans is like wide the fuck open. Like he was just literally making like all star plays. It felt like all game. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The one that bothers me is I still get bothered, and I think um, Pro Ant from Cover One tweeted it is. Edmonds meeting Leonard Fournette in the backfield and just getting trampled. You just can't have that one. Eli Anku, Eli Anku H- hit him oh. hit
2: him at the fourteen and he got to the sixteen. Sucks.
0: I mean, you need to stop him for a half a yard, even at least at the at least where you get hit. But a the half thing yard, was, a yard? the thing
2: was, if you really break it down, it was almost like he didn't even tackle him at all because Poyer was taking like eighty percent of a shot as he came through the. The line. To Guys, get that, that
0: spot out. was so lucky, too. It like was. It just was. guessing. If they, if just they had guessing. ruled
2: it short, they weren't going to overturn it and say it was And how win.
0: do you go for it on the 15? No I guess chance. you do. No, I guess you do. Have.
2: They wouldn't have.
0: You don't think they would have gone for half a yard?
2: No. You can't. You, you, you miss it. You don't get a half yard. You lose the game. Oh, man.
0: I think they do with the best quarterback sneaker ever. No? Could be. Could be.
2: All uh, right. Well, hey. We were talking about free money, folks. Make sure you're following Degenerate Danger Zone. We got the dart every single day on that quest for 20-plus units. And, of course, picks, free money football. We got Don and John's. We got all kinds of free money across the platform. And, of course, catch Kev over at the Crowd Assist Podcast, keeping you all that insight for the bills that we just got. And I feel refueled. I mean, the fact that Kev has a positive outlook with Josh Allen going forward, that makes me have a positive outlook with Josh Allen going forward. Yep. So let's just win this week and let's get to where we want to be—one win up in the win column. If the Colts could take care of business, that would be great too. We got what's Trainwreck watching coming up uh, on Wednesday, episode five of Hawkeye Hawkeye Hump Days. But we got a lot going on, so it's a very exciting time at Trainwreck. Make sure you're following along on all platforms, all podcast major distribution areas. You can get it. Again, a huge shout out to our guest Kevin Misery. A Thanks huge up. shout out to Degenerate Al. And you know what we say here, folks. Good night. night.